Hi everyone, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. Well, today we cap off our beginning of the year theme of living free in 23 with the second of our two-part series of celebrating you. You know, we want to live free. We want to feel great, but sometimes we have these anxieties. We have dark emotions like fears and other things that battle against us. Today, we're going to talk about them because we want to celebrate you just like God does. So hang in there with us as we begin. Last time, we talked about Lydia and the jailer in Acts chapter 16 and the fears they had to face in choosing to be Jesus followers. Lydia had many other people there with her and and, uh, it was soon after uh, that Paul was with her and helped her to find Jesus that actually Paul landed himself in prison, not at any fault of his own, but he landed in prison to no fault of his own and it was there that a prison guard himself began to follow Jesus and believe in Jesus and become a Jesus follower, seeing that Paul himself was in jail. And we talked about how Lydia and the jailer both had to face their fears. And just like them, we have fears, we have dark emotions that battle against us to feel free, that battle against us to be Jesus followers. And if you're like me, sometimes that battle can just be in our own mind in a spiritual sense. Well, and today we're going to talk about uh, this man named Paul, where he needed to face his own fears. When Paul was at a moment where he was scared and he needed to face his own fears. We're going to look at Acts chapter 18 today. Our first thought here is that, yes, you can be free. I'm going to start reading in Acts 18 verse 1. After this, Paul departed from Athens and went to Corinth. There he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, who had recently become or come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had ordered all the Jews to depart from Rome. Paul approached them, and because he worked at the same trade, he stayed with them and worked with them, for they were tent makers by trade. He addressed both Jews and Greeks in the synagogue every Sabbath, attempting to persuade them. Now when Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul became wholly absorbed with proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was in fact the Christ. When they opposed him and reviled him, he protested by shaking out his clothes and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am guiltless. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. Then Paul left the synagogue and went to the house of a person named Titius Justus, a Gentile who worshipped God, whose house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the president of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household, and many of the Corinthians who heard about it believed and were baptized. So traveling from city to city, going, uh, last time we talked, uh, Paul was in, in Philippi, and he went to several of uh, different cities, and he lands himself in a city called Corinth. Well, in Corinth, he meets Priscilla and Aquila, some fellow uh, t- uh, tent makers, and so he stayed with them and worked with them, and all the while, while he was sharing with the Jewish uh, population in the synagogues about Jesus. And of course, that did not go over well. 
Uh, it says when Silas and Timothy came from Macedonia that Paul, in fact, came wholly absorbed. In other words, it sounds like it was day after day after day. He was proclaiming the word, testifying to the Jews that Jesus was the Christ. And it didn't go so well. They weren't buying it. And then they started to get upset. They were like, Paul, you are out of your mind. We're not even listening to you. They're rolling their eyes at him. But then it seems to escalate. And then they oppose him and they revile him. They angrily uh, insult Paul. And it's just not going well at all. So Paul responds, hey, your blood be on your own heads. I'm guiltless. I've done my job. I have shared about Jesus and you guys just aren't buying in. So now, instead of the Jews, I'm going to the Gentiles. Which, if you're not aware, is essentially the Gentiles were everybody who wasn't a Jew at the time. And so he goes next door to his friend Titius Justus, who was a friend there, and all of a sudden it says that Crispus, Crispus was somebody who believed in the Lord. And he wasn't just anybody. Crispus was the president of the synagogue. So whatever had happened before that, Crispus, in fact, turns from his former beliefs, turns from what he had been taught as a kid, turned from what many others were believing, and he said, Paul, I think you're right. I believe in the Lord. I believe that Jesus was, in fact, the Christ. Crispus, the president of the synagogue, is baptized and becomes a Jesus follower. But it's not just him. It's not just this president of the synagogue. But then it's his household. And then beyond that, it says that there's many people in Corinth that start to begin to believe in Jesus. And they were baptized. So now all of a sudden the tide has turned and many people are believing what Paul is teaching. How do you think that is going to go over in the synagogue? How do you think those people that were reviling Paul, that were yelling at him, that were opposing him, feel about it now? And maybe the better thought is, is what's going on in Paul's mind? He had just gotten out of prison in Philippi. And here he was again where all of a sudden, uh-oh, there are some people that are starting to believe that Jesus is the Christ. What's going to happen? Have you ever been like really fearful? Fearful of your life like really fearful of your life, that you're in a situation that, you know, this isn't that good. Many years ago when I was younger, I was working for a company on a high-rise building in Chicago. And it was a 50-story building, and it was a lot of fun. It was kind of a dream come true for me to be able to work on it. And um, we had finished our portion of the building, but yet the, the building wasn't completed. And uh, we, we had only been actually to the building once. I was working in Ohio and shipping our products up to the building in Chicago that would be installed into, into the structure. So I'd actually only been to the building one time uh, when, it was being, um, when it was under construction. So I had never been able to see the completed thing. So after I had, uh, uh, the company I'd worked for had um, finished that job, there was not another building, so I ended up uh, leaving that company to go find a, a new job. But about a year and a half passed, 
And I happened to be in downtown Chicago when I ran into another person from another company that had been working on the building. And I believe his name was Chris. And we ran into each other out on the street, not too far, about a block away from where the building was. And we saw each other and hadn't seen each other in some time. And so after some uh, pleasantries, he said, hey, do you want to go to the roof of this building? I said, yes, absolutely. He happened to have the keys because he was actually still working on the building. And while the building was open, the offices were open in, uh, 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 in, the, in the structure, uh, he had the keys to get up onto the roof. And so we went up the elevator and out a hatch onto the roof. And there I was standing on the roof of this building in downtown Chicago. Now I've got to describe the roof to you. Because when you think of big commercial high-rise buildings, usually you think of a flat roof up on top that might have a rail around the outside and be safe and, and things to hang on to and, and so forth. That was not the case here. This building has a, a, roofed, uh, a sloped roof, much like you would see on a house. It was also 600 feet in the air. It was also a metal roof that was very slippery. It was also New Year's Day and it was cold. It was cold and it was windy and there were no rails. There was nothing to hang on to up there. So when I got out, I thought, oh boy, one, I was really cold. Two, I thought, wow, if I slip down this roof and over the edge, there's nothing there that's going to catch me except the sidewalk 600 feet below. And so I took a couple of quick pictures and packed it up and went back in. I was scared for my life. I really thought that, that I, I needed to be super careful and get my pictures and go. <laughs> and so it was a moment when I looked back that I was, I was very, very scared. I think this is a moment in Paul's life that he's actually scared. Because of his time in prison, because of other things that have happened, he had been already been beaten. There was, there was things that were going on. And just like for me, there, was, there were tensions of, of, of wind and cold and the slope of the roof working against me. He's got, uh, in a real, real, very much more real sense, uh, you know, people are becoming Christians, people are becoming Jesus followers, and there's other people that really don't like it. And at the middle of it is Paul. He is scared for himself. I think he's probably scared for Christmas as well. And I think he is like really, really scared. Well, how do I know that? The Bible doesn't say that. I haven't read that. Well, it is the very next verse, going back to Acts chapter 18 and starting in verse 9. The Lord said to Paul by a vision in the night, Do not be afraid, but speak and do not be silent, because I am with you, and no one will assault you, to harm you because I have many people in this city. So he stayed there a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Jesus is all about having Paul's back here. He's like, I got you covered, Paul. I hear you. I see you. Do not be afraid. Indicating that, in fact, Paul was afraid. Paul was concerned. Paul was scared. But Jesus has got him. He's like, I've got you. I see you, Paul. 
You know, we didn't read it here in Acts chapter 18, but we saw it back in Acts chapter 16 when Paul is in jail with Silas, and they are literally at midnight singing and praying to Jesus while in prison. Like, what else are you going to do at prison at midnight? (laughs) Paul was there singing and praying. And my point is, is that I think he was here praying as well. I think he had gone to Jesus. I think he had gone on his knees in prayer, praying at least a bit about his fear. It was in a very recent memory that he was sitting in prison and had been praying at that midnight hour. And I think again he was here on his knees praying probably for many things, but at least a little bit about his fears. These are the kinds of fears that can keep us from feeling free. These are the kind of fears that can can grasp us and and bind us up so that we do not feel free. But it's not just fears. It's a lot of negative emotions that you might be feeling other ones. Other ones that we find ourselves in a dark spot. And let's be honest, when those things come, if you're like me, sometimes you forget God. You forget about God, and he seems so far away, so hard to reach, so hard to see. You know, you might be feeling lonely. You might be struggling with, with someone, and, and maybe you don't think about it in hatred, but, but you're, you're struggling with just to, to love someone. You're feeling faithless. You're feeling fearful. You're feeling burdened angry, etc., etc. These dark negative emotions can sometimes grab us. And it is so hard to hear the voice of Jesus because those things are louder. They are more prominent in our face. Have you ever found yourself being there? But I think Jesus wants us to go to him. I think Jesus longs for us to go to him. I think he desires for us to go on to our knees, to pray to him about these very negative emotions that grasp us. In fact, in Matthew chapter 11 and verse 28, Jesus himself said, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me, because I am gentle and humble at heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear, and my load is not hard to carry. Come to me, he said. Please come to me. It's an invitation for us to go to Jesus. You know, you can be free, even if you have these negative emotions swirling about you. Did you hear that? You can be free. We find it in Jesus just like Paul does here. Not just to go to him once of, Jesus, please help me. Please help me not be so scared. Please help me not feel so lonely. Not just to go to him once, but actually to have a persevering and an abiding relationship with him. A persevering and abiding relationship with him, one that that conquers our fears, one that conquers uh, the moments we get tired, 
one that conquers our faithlessness, that we continue to go back to Jesus. We continue to go back to God's word. In John chapter 15, Jesus himself said in verse 4, Remain in me and I will remain in you, just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it remains in the vine. So neither can you unless you remain in me. We've got to remain in Jesus by going to him again and again and again and again. Even when we are facing these, these, these fears and these dark emotions that I've mentioned that battle against us, they, that try to grip us, the loneliness, the, the faithlessness, the, the, the burden, the, 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 the angry emotions that sometimes grasp us. Because on the other side of that, if we're able to remain in Jesus, it says he will remain in us. And then all of a sudden, it's not these dark emotions, but in fact, the fruits of the Spirit that Paul himself describes in Galatians 5. Things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. Those things are so great. Who doesn't want those things? Who doesn't want to feel peaceful? Who doesn't want to offer kindness? Who doesn't want to be faithful in all kinds of situations? Well, these kinds of things are why it's imperative to go to God's word to learn, to see men and women like Paul who face struggles just like you and me, and to see how they were able to conquer them. You know, the world doesn't support this. You know, you have an enemy that's trying to make you think otherwise. And this battle is real. The battle is real. So I think we got to look and see what happens actually to Paul in this situation. Going back again to Acts chapter 18, starting in verse 12. Now while Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews attacked Paul together and brought him before the judgment seat, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God in a way contrary to the law. But just as Paul was about to speak, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of some crime or serious piece of villainy, I would have been justified in accepting the complaint of you Jews, but since it concerns points of disagreement about words and names and your own law, settle it yourself. I will not be a judge of these things. Then he had them forced away from the judgment seat. So they all seized Sothenes, the president of the synagogue, and began to beat him in front of the judgment seat. Yet none of these things were any concern to Gallio. So if you remember, Jesus himself had promised Paul that nothing would happen to him. And he said he stayed in Corinth for a year and a half. And at some point, he is taken from Corinth, which was the capital, capital of Achaia, the re, this region. And so now he's in front of the proconsul of Achaia. So they've risen it up to the higher courts. 
And the Jews are attacking Paul. And they're saying, hey, this guy keeps talking about this Jesus. And it is contrary to our law. Paul did not even get out a word before Gallio, who sat there listening to these Jews, said, this is not for me. You guys work it out yourself. And what did the Jews do? They seized this fellow named Sothenes, who was the president of the synagogue, and they beat him in front of the judgment seat. Sothenes got beat, not Paul. In fact, Paul apparently does not even get a word out, and it all crumbles. Do you think that Jesus had his back? Do you think that Jesus was protecting him? It's almost humorous. In verse 18, it says, Paul stayed for many more days in Corinth, said farewell to the brothers, and sailed away to Syria. And he was totally unscathed in this town of Corinth. Totally unscathed. It reminds me of a moment in John chapter 14 when the disciples, the, the, the very followers of Jesus, were there with Jesus and he said in John 14, verse 1, Do not let your hearts be distressed. You believe in God and believe also in me. Paul believed. Jesus promised and Jesus delivered. I hope that encourages you. Paul believed. Jesus promised. Jesus delivered. You and I can believe. Jesus has made promises, and Jesus will deliver. You know, there would be other times in Paul's life with might be similar circumstances where people were hating on him, and he, in fact, would be beaten. He would land himself in jail. He would be in change. But whether he was walking free in a town or whether he was in jail, He was always feeling free because he never left Jesus. He was forever connected to Jesus through the, his baptism and into Jesus' death. So whether it's the darkest of circumstances, the most difficult moments, or whether it was times that he sat at a synagogue speaking to the people, we can always think of Paul as living free. And so can you. You can live free. And the great thing is, is that thought number two is you can be free forever. Forever. You know, it's just a few years later, Paul would write a letter back to this very same church in Corinth. We know it today in our Bibles as 1 Corinthians. And it actually wasn't going well at the church in Corinth. If you know anything about 1 Corinthians, it is quite a mess. And many things are going on. He starts chapter 1. If you bear with me, he says, Hi, I love you guys. So thankful for you. But some are following me, Paul. Some are others are following Peter. Some are following this other fella, Apollos. Y'all have lost your minds a bit. And now y'all are divided with each other. Let me remind you, who actually did die for your sins? 
Who actually were you baptized into? You guys need to remember the cross and you all get yourself focused on Jesus. That is my paraphrased version of 1 Corinthians chapter 1. There was a number of things going on, a number of problems, which isn't uncommon. When you read through the Bible, God's people always had struggles. Old Testament, New Testament, here, there, there was always struggles that were going on. And just like today, you know, people then, people now, we're pretty good at messing up some good things that God gives us. Our pride gets in the way. We rely too much on our knowledge. We make poor choices, etc., etc. In Corinth, 1 Corinthians, this letter that Paul writes, addresses all kinds of concerns, some of them pretty major. And in fact, chapter 15, some were in fact doubting the resurrection of Jesus. This was written, written to the church, written to Jesus' followers. And some were doubting, in fact, denying the resurrection of Jesus. And so I pause here just for you to consider. Do you believe that Jesus resurrected? And how is that showing up in your life? Do you believe that Jesus rose from the dead and how does that show in your life? You know, we're not all that different from the Corinthians. You know, it's been about 20 years since Jesus had died when Paul wrote that letter. And in Corinth, it was actually a pretty long ways away from where Jesus had been crucified. So time has gone by. I, I think it's very possible that nobody there in Corinth had actually known Jesus, that no one had actually seen this happen. And so like us, we, we're kind of going on hearsay. We're going on based on what other people have, have said. You and I get to read our Bibles for them at that time. They're listening to Paul and others talk about that. And so some started to struggle in their faith. You know what? This idea of Jesus raising from the dead, it sounds kind of crazy. I'm not so sure about this one. But at the same time, I think that they weren't abiding very well. They lost sight of the vine. And somehow I doubt that they were in prayer to try to figure out the answer. And so they didn't believe it anymore. And they struggled in their faith. And Paul addressed that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But later in 1 Corinthians 15, he finish, finishes addressing this issue with an incredible thought that I'd like to leave with you as we finish our theme of living free in 23. In 1 Corinthians 15, starting in verse 50. Now this is what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Listen, I will tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the blinking of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable body must put on the imperishable, and this mortal body must put on immortality. Now when the perishable puts on the imperishable, and this mortal puts on immortality, then the saying that is written will happen. And folks, it will happen. 
Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, dear brothers and sisters, be firm. Do not be moved. Always be outstanding in the work of the Lord, and know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know, for you and I today, we need to stand firm in Jesus and know that we can be free in him. You can be free in Jesus and know that you can be free in him forever. The battle has been fought. The game is over. You have victory. You have won. Celebrate you. And stand firm in Jesus. You know, the building in Chicago that I referred to earlier, I often see it in a TV show or a movie or maybe in a com commercial. I'm kind of proud. Every time I see it, I think, you know what, I had a little piece of that, and that's my building. I refer to it as my building in Chicago. Now, it wouldn't be the same for you. You're probably happy for me that I have a building and maybe chuckled a bit at being on the roof of the building and trying not to slide off the edge. But it's not the same for you. And in the same way, I have not walked your path. I can love, I can empathize, I can care, I can pray, but it is you and your walk. I have not walked in your shoes. But Jesus sees you intimately. He sees you and wants you to fight. He sees you and longs for that relationship with you. He sees you and wants you to be with him forever. So don't give up. Don't give up. And if you're listening and thinking, man, what is this relationship that Phil is talking about? Go after it. Go after it and get help. You know, Paul finishes. I love this at the end that I had just read. It's kind of like a side note. It's like, and also, just so you know, that the effort you put in for God, he sees it. He sees every bit of it, every day, every week, every year. Your kindness that you offer to another person. The patience that you show to your children or to your spouse. The love and concern you carry for your roommate and for those around you. And just your personal perseverance. The effort that you see is not in vain. The effort that you put in, in the work of the Lord, is not in vain. So a couple of thoughts to take with you today is one is to smile because you can have victory in Jesus. Just pause on that and smile. You can have victory in Jesus. Crispus found it. Paul found it. Many others in the New Testament found it when they were baptized and became Jesus followers. They had that victory in Jesus.
So smile and remind yourself of how great that is just in itself. And number two, help someone else to smile because they too can have the same victory. They too can find that same uh, win in Jesus. But we have to go after it. You can be free and you can be free forever. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it and would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.